Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Yes. Hello, everybody. It's your old pal Wilson back on the airwaves and in your ear holes. I hope you're well. I hope you're good. Uh, before we begin, need to remind you that it's Mental Health Awareness Week, fifteenth uh, to the twenty-first of May, twenty twenty-three. Well, depending on when you're listening to this, you might have listened to this later on, in which case you've missed it. But coming up. 15th to the 21st of May is Mental Health Awareness Week um, and this year it's focusing on the impact that the cost of living crisis is having on our mental health so that's a really important one to have a listen to uh, there'll be all manner of things going on to help you I imagine help you, help you with everything that's going on there'll be links of things to things as well that can help you you know help you manage your finances and things like that it's a really difficult position to be in at the minute and it's affecting everybody it seems uh which is how changes made uh, this is how changes are made it really starts to affect everyone on, on every sort of class level you know um so yeah so yeah get involved with that uh so that's 15th to 21st of may uh 2023 that's mental health awareness week and uh yeah it's a it's a it's a funny one isn't it it's a funny one because uh, it's weird how it's just the, the fact that everything just kind of blows up price-wise and then we all we kind of go well that's unacceptable and they go oh it's just the way it is and you kind of go oh all right then and we have to and we have to find a way to make it work and say no it shouldn't be like that you should be stop everything just seems like it's, everyone's trying to just make a bit of money and not giving a shit about actual people you know giving it's like, it's like look i can't afford that it's like well tough you can't have any water then you're like water is a fundamental right of anyone it's like breathing we're allowed to, you should have water you should have air should have food on the table you know and the fact that you're charging me seven pound fifty for a sandwich is unacceptable anyway don't let me get you started on that i will i'll go off on tangents you know watching the anyway no stop 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 richie stop because i say stuff and i annoy people and then i have to apologize and i don't want to apologize because i mean what i say anyway let's just start taking care of each other shall we that's what we should be doing making sure we're all all right you know while the planet is still spinning and still wants us on board we should be taking care of ourselves each other so that we continue to be because otherwise the planet's going to go do you know what you don't deserve this it's going to shrug us off and it's going to be on to the next species to take over wonder what will be next i wonder where it'll be it's interesting isn't it wonder what anyway it's too gloomy to think about 
Anyway, welcome everyone. Rich Wilson here, and uh, thank you to everyone for your continued support. Thank you to listening. Thank you for listening to us. You know, it really means a lot for watching us on the YouTubes, and to all our lovely patrons as well. We really appreciate all your all your help. If you want to become a patron, do go to our Insane in the Membrane uh, podcast Patreon page. Um, you just only got to give us a couple of quid a week, honestly, and it all goes back into the podcast. Helps us doing what helps us to do what we do. Um, and that's it that's all we want we don't, we don't want to be driving around in Ferraris and making billions of pounds we just want to be able to keep this podcast going because we know that it helps people and it helps me as well gives me something to focus on and you know and gives me it's just, I love doing it I love talking to people for, with people and at people and with people for people I love it anyway let's get on with this week's guest this week's guest it's been brilliant seeing his rise to fame I remember working with him years ago and it was just like, oh, yeah, he's brilliant, you know, and it, uh, Paul Zerdin. Um, and yeah, I just, it was really, I've always, I've just loved, I love seeing, because he was really nice to me when I met him. And seeing him blow up and be, be he's like world famous, and he's like, oh, this is lovely, well, it's really good to see. So then we were like, do you want to come on? And he went, yeah, I do. And I was like, really? He said, yeah, I'll come on. So then he came on and we had a really nice chat. And I got to, I actually got to ask someone, that works with puppets and things like that. Actually, you know what it actually feels like, you know. And you know, they said, you know, I got to ask the question. You know, like, you know, you'll, you'll hear it coming up in the episode. It's a stupid question, but I was just curious. But that'll be coming up towards the end of the chat. I kept it towards the end, so keep listening until the end. Um, but listen, let's stop mucking around. Let's get on with it. Uh, coming up in a minute is Paul Zerdin. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Insane in the membrane. Welcome to the show, everybody. This week I'm joined by the mighty Paul Zerdin. Hello, Paul. Hi, Rich. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Um, where in the world do we find you, Paul? Uh, I am in my little office in uh, deepest, darkest Surrey, in Cobham. 
Oh, very nice. Very nice too. Yeah. For some reason, I thought you were. I thought you were in the states. Is that? Are you just sort of back and forth? Uh, that's the funny thing is people. I think people think I, I'm in America now, and I actually haven't been to America since before the pandemic. Um, oh, really? <laughs> I I was going backwards and forwards. Yeah, I was going backwards and forwards um, uh, between the UK and and the US right up until the pandemic, and that completely ballsed it all up. No. <laughs> and um, oh, mate. I've, I've been back for, for, for some meetings, but other than that, um, no, the, the, the gigs, that's all, that all stopped. Unfortunately, the pandemic really um, messed that up, as it did, you know, to, to showbiz yeah. generally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it did, yeah. But I mean, but that's such a – that's, I mean, that's it. Like, because, you know, when your name comes up, when uh, gigs and things like that, it's like, oh, yeah, well, he's in America now. We just assume you're there. And you don't, mm. don't realise – I don't think we realise how damaging the the this the lockdowns and the pandemics have been. I think we're still recovering from it, not just financially, but I think mentally as well. I think it's really affected us. And like you say, you've had to, you always had to, almost had to start again, which is something that we we thought we'd never have to do. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a weird thing because you 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 um you know you you spend your life building something up, <clears throat> and then mm. and then it's sort of you know it's sort of taken away from you. But I when, over the years I've always worked. And then decide if I haven't worked, I've decided to take some time off to write a new show or to go on holiday or whatever. I've always been in charge of that. I've been in control of it. Right. I'm not going to work for this week mm. or these two weeks. We're going to go away somewhere, whatever. But when suddenly uh, the, the world says you're not going to work, yeah, but I'm not. I'm, yeah, no, you're not going to work. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> that, that's a whole different ball game. And, and, and especially when, you know, we're live performers primarily. Uh, and and yeah. it's all about, you know, being in a room with an audience so um you know that was a very difficult thing to 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 cope with but um the america i mean i was lucky i had a good time for a while uh on the back of um agt in in, in the states i was i did vegas for six months and then and then oh, after wow. that i toured america quite a few times i was backwards and forwards across across the atlantic i felt like david frost at, at one point <laughs> um but without concord <laughs> um, so i kind of think well i had a good I had a good, I had a good run of it, but I would, I would very much like to get do do more at working in, in America because it's such an amazing place, um, and I love mm. traveling as well. I, I, I don't like being in one place, so I like like you know moving around with an act like mine. Yeah, you have to travel. <laughs> and how was it received in America? I mean, that's the thing as well because it's so vast. It's almost like I, I remember hearing bands talk about the fact that you might be big in one city or one state but you might they've never heard of you somewhere else it must have been tricky you have, do you have to travel do you have to go to all the states separately or because if america's got talent they sort of said or they did you were sort of in the door already with most places do you know what i mean is it quite, quite um, it's, it's so vast yeah it's it's a uh i mean it is it's enormous i remember i was going for meetings uh i just won um the the show the talent show and and I was going from from a show in New York to LA uh, and I was going to for meetings in LA and then I had to go back to New York so I was doing a casino up in New York State and I remember being on the flight and it was like seven hours from New York to LA and I was thinking this is almost <laughs> the flight I've just done from the UK to the US and you just and you, you just I didn't realize I knew it was a big old place but I just couldn't quite comprehend it until I was yeah. at 38,000 feet looking out the window thinking, oh, my God, this is just massive. And so when I started, when my Vegas show uh, closed, 
I started touring and I was doing basically you do the, the you do some theaters, you do casinos and they have big, big old, big old venues like the uh, the Coliseum in the uh, I think it's the Coliseum in Caesars Palace in uh, a place called uh, C- Caesars in Ontario in Canada, just right. just over the border in uh, Ontario, uh, in a place called Windsor. And that's like a four, 5,000 seater. So you're playing these big kind of almost like arena gigs. And then the next thing is yeah. next weekend, you're in a comedy club. But, but you do the thing in, in America is you do the whole show. So rather than there being a bill of four or five comics and a compare, you would have a, a, an opening act for 15 minutes and then you'd do an hour and a half straight through. Right, and then you'd, okay. But you'd do two sittings. You'd do maybe one on a Thursday, two Friday, two Saturday, maybe two Sunday. And then Monday you'd travel. And then Tuesday you'd do press. Uh, when wow. Wednesday you do press and then you start start that again and you just do it week after week and you would you would fl- you'd have to fly because I would be in New York or I'd be in yeah. uh, Tampa in Florida then I'd be in Phoenix in Arizona so you'd have to fly I mean ideally you want to be on a tour yeah. bus and just you know drive around um, but but the way well the way that my agents planned it you certainly couldn't do it on on, on by road you had to fly so um uh, yeah, yeah, and that was when I really realised how how big America is and Canada. <laughs> yeah, and it must have your head must have been spinning. I mean, like it just there must have been days where you're like, where am I again? It was, yeah. It, 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 what what made it worse was that, that after all the travel, you then you'd fly into somewhere and they you'd stay in some you know very average hotel, um, and it's not, not not glamorous at all, as you know. And, mm. and then, you know, you'd be up at four o'clock in the morning doing the breakfast television show in that, in that state or uh, then followed by radio and stuff. So by about 11 o'clock in the morning, when you're going for breakfast, I'd be with my tour manager. Uh, we'd be like zombies because we'd been up since half yeah. three, you know, four o'clock and then being picked up, taken to a studio. Oh and so by 11 o'clock, you're absolutely, you, your brain is frazzled. And it was like that every, every, you know, every week, week after week. Yeah. So I I yeah, yeah, yeah. toured for you know quite a few months at a time, but I got to travel. You know, I got to see some some amazing places. So I, I just felt tired a lot of the time. That was that was the thing. <laughs> but when I was doing when I was doing America's Got Talent, I had already got a lot of gigs in in the book. I I got through I got through to the live shows, and I was but I was working on cruise ships and doing corporate gigs in you know back in the UK and, and around Europe. So I was flying backwards and forwards. Uh, oh right to, okay you know to, to go and do the next heat the quarterfinals then I'd be back home to go off on a ship in in, in Oslo and then I'd be back back doing the, the semi-finals and so when I actually won the show and and I've said this before but when I won it I was you know I was totally you know sort of blown blown away but it was a mixture of euphoria and jet lag yeah because I was knackered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, thank God for that. It all paid off. You know, it's, you, that's, did you, I, I did Britain's Got Talent a little while ago and it's one of the most nerve wracking things I've ever done. It was petrifying. And, and I've been, you know, like you, I've been gigging a long time, but, and I, I've got, kind of got a handle on, on it and, you know, I, I don't really get nervous at gigs now, really. You get apprehensive and you want it to go well, but you kind of know you can do it. Um, but this mm. was something else when they that it, it was waiting around all day, and then and then when they just when they finally say right you're up and they take you through and then you know in this country they take you through they they're videoing you all the time aren't they and then there's Ant and Deck and then you meet them and then suddenly you're 
you're in front of the judges and you're just like, ah, oh, shit. And it's the palladium as well. I genuinely was trying really hard not to, sh I had the microphone, I was just shaking like that. Most nerve wracking thing I've ever done, I think. I mean, was it the same for you when you did, when you did it? Yeah, um, it, it, it's, you know, uh, I was, I was there, my first audition was at the Dolby Theatre. Um, and I was there from about seven o'clock in the morning. And right, yeah. they said I'd be on probably, I don't know, lunchtime. Then I started filming the sort of B-roll, the VT stuff. Uh, and then, and then someone else was filming me and then, you know, because we, you, you've been doing it we've been doing it for for a long time we're we're you know we're experienced performers so we know how to do an interview yeah. we know how to uh you know to condense an answer down to 20 seconds and just give them the funny line or whatever it is you know so 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 yeah. you know you get you you learn how to do that but um you you, you find yourself sitting around as you say and i i i had my my girlfriend with me and um i basically said to her your job here is to stop me leaving thinking I don't need this, I'm going, you know, when it gets, when it gets, when it just gets too, you know, it's just the day has become too long. Anyway, I was then, I forget how many shows they were doing. I think they were doing taping two shows in an afternoon or in an evening. I can't remember. Anyway, I was on the first show and then, then they said, Oh no, you've been, you've been moved to the second half of the, of the show. And then, Oh, oh no, you're God. going to be in the, in the beginning of the next show. And so it just went on out and I was, like, and so your adrenaline, yeah. you know, you know, you know, you don't get nervous about doing a gig. You 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 you've been doing it for a long time. I I don't I don't. Some people I know, you know, uh, that I work with will be worrying about the gig all day, uh, and yes. and that's just the way they are. Whereas I think, don't let it ruin your life. Let, let's you know, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Get to the gig, and then literally just as they say your name and you're about to go up on stage, then you have a little buzz, a little bit of adrenaline, something kicks in, and that's that's that, that's that's the way I I do it anyway, and. Um, I remember just, just up at the adrenaline was up and down because you, you, uh, you know, ready to go and then, Oh, I'm not ready. But I realized that oh. they liked me and they kept moving me to a better slot. But, oh, right. Um, okay. Well, that's good. Then I, then, then I, yeah. And, but then I realized, hang on a minute, the audience are going to get knackered, but they changed the audience. So we had a fresh audience. Um, right. And then I was in the beginning of the first show. Then they moved me to of the first half. Then they moved me to the second half of the last show. And I was thinking, oh no! And then you start hearing when you hear that buzzer sound. Oh, that, that sends chills down yeah. your spine, doesn't it? And, and, and when you're there, it's bloody loud. Yeah, so loud! It's the loudest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it's it is horrible. And um, and then you go, oh my god! And then you suddenly realise you realise actually what you're in for. And and eventually, I I. I got to go up, I walked out on stage and I thought, right, in my head, I'm thinking, why are you doing this? You've been doing this for a long time. Your career is going okay. Um, and now you're putting yourself in a position where there's four people and you know, you recognize all these four people who are looking very intimidating uh, and, and they could absolutely, you know, rip your career to shreds. Um, the the yes. thing with the American yeah. thing was my, 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 my thinking behind that was, well, I'm in a different country. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't matter. This is not my home turf. So, yes. so it doesn't matter. Just go for it. But I also knew that my material worked quite well for an American crowd because I'd been on American ships on and off for years. Of so I knew yeah, that yeah, I, yeah. I could work an American audience. But you're still putting yourself out there and, um, you know, to be, to be judged. Luckily, it went really well. 
But I did have yeah. that moment in my head thinking, ah, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I was, because I was a, a bit of a snob about it when it came up. And I was, and they were like, do you want, we want you to do it, we want you to do it. And I was like, I, I'm not doing that. I, it's just, I'm not doing that. I, 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 I don't know. I wasn't looking down on it, but I was like, no, 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 I don't need to do that. And then they kept asking and I went, all right, okay, I'll do it. And then, and then there was this something, there's something about Simon Cowell when he, when he smiles at you. It's beguiling. The man's, there's something about him. When, it, when I saw, when I was doing my bit and I saw in the corner of my eye, I could see his teeth. I could see he was smiling. I was like, all right, okay, that's quite nice. And it just felt, there was like this, this kind of warm feeling of just like approval from your dad. <laughs> like, you know, it was really nice, which I didn't expect, to yeah. be honest. No, and 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 that's you know um, that's that's really helpful when you get that. Not everyone gets that, and so you can you can understand why people, and particularly comedy performers, uh, are, are worried about being going on that show because you know there have been occasions in the past where you know people have had successful. You know, they're not they're not particularly they're particularly well known, but they're they're great acts and they make a good living doing mm. it. And you know, the reason for going on the show is to get that exposure which is why we all do it or have done it yeah um but but there is a risk attached to it it's a sort of calculated risk if you're a good act but it's still a risk yes. um but i think it's worth well for, the, for me for the american thing it was definitely worth worth the risk and i think now as well uh with with britain's got talent they are much more aware of the damage that it can can do to a comedy performer um and i think they are a bit more appreciative now of the comics and um and, yeah. and just stand up generally on that show and I, I i don't think there are as many you know bad endings for comics as uh, as there were so i think it is worth no. it's worth doing but you've got to think about it because it is a big it is a big deal but it can be oh, an absolute yeah. you know uh, game changer yeah 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 it was one of those that it was it even this is the thing but people don't realize they when they talk about stand-ups and they go oh we only do 20 minutes a day you go well no i don't like you said earlier seven hours on a flight then you've got to get to the you've got to get to your 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 gig you've got to come up with new material there's so much that goes on people i think some people if you don't know what we do they seem to think that we just sit around just you know just living mm. the, living having a this this life where we just doss about all day but we're not we're just constantly thinking of the the next new thing that we have to come up with just to keep in the game because if we don't we'll just get there'll mm. be someone else will come through and, and and suddenly you're not working anymore it's tricky to, it's, i feel like i'm yeah. always trying i'm still needing to fight my corner you know yeah i i, I remember once just talking about you know traveling and being knackered and yet still you've got to be no matter what what you what kind of a day you've had you've got to get up on stage and it's got to be you've got to be on it and you've got to be yeah. the best you can be uh, and i have to say in in i i'm 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 actually quite good when i'm knackered because i've got an element of oh i don't care <laughs> it doesn't matter so yeah. I, I can go out and i've i've come up with some ad libs and and tried a routine that I haven't fully learned yet, but I thought, oh, it's really good. I'm sure I'll be able to busk it and get my way through it. And I've done it on a night when I've just I've, I've jet lagged from from a long haul flight the, the day before or something, and I'm so tired I actually don't care. I just think, well, I might as well just make the most of this <laughs> stage time and have gone for it. And some that hasn't always worked. Sometimes I've been shit because <laughs> I've just been too knackered. But yeah, but, but I lo I like I lo I quite like that. I, I'll get, give an example. I was doing um. Uh, comedy festival in johannesburg 
and I was flying out uh, the the day before and I was closing the show and there were a load of um, amazing acts on the show, uh, South African comedians and American comedian, all, all sorts. And I was the closing act uh, and my flight got cancelled and they said, oh, we'll put you on um, a Lufthansa flight instead. And I said, no, no, I'm, I've used my miles and I've, I've got myself up to uh, upper class on Virgin and, and I'd got it all sorted. Yeah. And, and they said, no, no, we'll, we'll put you on Lufthansa. And I said to Virgin, what, what's the next one? They said, well, well, we'll move the flights now in the morning. And I said, I get there in time, but I get there in the evening. But what time am I actually, what's my stage time? And they said, uh, oh, you'll be on at about 10.30. And the flight gets in at like nine. And I thought, oh, oh that's tight, but I'm willing to risk it. So the, the promoter's <laughs> having kittens. And, and, and I said, oh, it'll, honestly, it'll be fine. And, they, you know, they always give you that time, but they usually get in a bit earlier. So it'll be fine. Anyway, the plane gets in a bit later than, than advertised. Oh, no. Um, and they sent, a, they, they sent a, a taxi, and because it's rush hour as well, the traffic there was terrible. And so they sent, like, this sort of kind of convoy where, where I had like a police escort and they took me down the hard shoulder oh of the motorway from the, from the airport to the, to this big, it was a big <laughs> theater, um, in big casino complex in Johannesburg. And I got there and the compare is just taking the last act off, uh, the, the, the penultimate act and is just going through all yeah. the, a bit more routine or, or a routine <laughs> before he's about to introduce me. And I'm in the wing, literally just throwing my clothes out, trying to get the puppets out and just put my oh, bag shit, into yeah. some sort of order that I can walk on and do my act. And I'm literally just, they're going, are you ready? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm thinking, where's the other puppet? Hang on. <laughs> and there's socks oh, no. and pants going everywhere. <laughs> and, and, and I remember he just said my name. He said my name and I walked out and I had one of the best gigs of my life. It was fantastic. Oh, amazing. I just thought, God, if only they'd, they'd, have, they'd have known, if the audience had seen what had been going on that had led to this this moment led up to it they wouldn't have believed it but that was an example of just you know tiredness jet lag euphoria and i think i'd had a couple of drinks yeah. on the flight as well so you know i hadn't helped myself oh nice it was the per it was perfect the per perfect chemistry everything worked i think that's it when the the, the day i thought i i, I the day I stopped caring as much, I, I do care, of course I care, but the day I went, oh, fuck's yeah. sake, I'm not going to let this get to me, I started having better gigs, you know, I started having, like you like you just said, the, I'm more relaxed with it now, and when I, and when I, and especially when I'm tired, as you just said, I, I say things I never even knew I was going to say, they just, but if, yeah. I, if I'm, like with, with Britain's Got Talent, because I was thinking about it so much, I was getting in my own way, it was becoming... I almost had to tell myself to shut up. It was just too much. Yeah, but also because it it yeah. is a pressure gig, and 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 so and you build it up, and it becomes a big thing. And also everyone knows it, so it is a big gig, and you have to yeah. somehow. I remember having that head in my that thought in my head when I was doing the live shows in at Radio City, um, in New York, wow. and it was the semi-finals, either semi-finals or finals. And I remember just having a bit of a chat with myself in the wing. Just, just I mean, people are used to me talking to myself anyway, so there's there's <laughs> there's no um, big shock there. But I remember just saying to myself, "Don't fuck this up, don't fuck this up, Zerdin." There's apparently mm -hmm. there was just twenty million or something watching on NBC Live, and there's six thousand people in the, in Radio City Musical. I remember thinking, "This is an opportunity. You can either go." Yeah. Oh, I'm scared. Or and I just went. I just thought, no, I've got no time for any of that shit. I'm going to go out there and grab this my, this yeah. moment by the balls and just go. Yes, yeah. I've been waiting for a moment like yeah. this for a while. And luckily, <laughs> it, it went that way. But I could have. Sometimes you've gone. You know, doing a corporate gig. I remember doing a corporate gig 
um, in Scotland, and it was yeah. Uh, I can't remember which what football team it was, but I remember thinking it was all male audience. There were no, it wasn't mixed crowd. It was all male. I thought oh, that's going to be hard. And I went on stage just after they'd done a, uh, they'd just done a t- ten minute montage of the of the the best goals from the season, and the audience are like, Rah! they're all going nuts. Oh, I just wow. thought now, now, now a puppet show. Yeah, this is really going to go well. <laughs> and, and I got the, the I got the player of the year out. Uh, the player of the year out. He was the guy they wanted me to get up on stage and become my human puppet, which is the thing I do with these. I've got these animatronic masks and I give them a silly voice to, get yes. to do silly things. Yeah. And, and, and they said, you've got to get him. So I got him out and he was very drunk. <laughs> and so <laughs> I got away with it, but you know, you just know, you know, that those it's gigs like that, that you kind of, you, you get a bit, I get a bit jittery. Uh, no matter how much experience you've got, you just go, well, it's a corporate gig. It, everything's against you. You know the chances of this going well are really, really, you know, stacked up against me. But you, sometimes you, you know, you could, you can, you can pull it, pull it off. I think. Well, I think night, with a night like that as well, with a comedy club or your own show, you're you're more in control of it, aren't you? The people at the comedy club, they know why they're there. You know, they you you. So they're they're more. Every now and again, you get a, you get something happen that you're not aware. You didn't know was going to happen, but most of the time, you're in control of it. But with a night like that, where everyone's pissed yeah. anyway. There are too many moving parts, and you, like you say, could go anywhere. And you're just you're just sitting there. You have got your puppet, and you've got your other bits, and yeah. you just just oh god, this is this could go anywhere. I don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, it's a funny one. It's it's yeah. it's yeah. It's it's they're they're tough gigs, man. There they are, and I've done them for years. But you know, of course, there was this massive gap in 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 our you know our working life with with the pandemic and i hate mentioning it because everyone's sick of it but you know it has had a massive massive effect mm. uh, on 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 the business and also you know the, the corporate uh, hospitality has suffered as we know you know the corporate entertainment yeah. side of things has really dropped off and it's coming back now so i've just started to do them again but i feel rusty because i haven't been doing a lot of them like i used to yeah, and that's right, been yeah. a that, that's that's a knock-on effect from from you know the, the pandemic, which is almost you know two three years uh, been been going yeah. on for things to sort of start coming back now, and I think also audiences have changed. You know, I think audiences for a while yeah. have forgotten how to be audiences. Some of the gigs I've yes. done, people have just been so rude and so and and I think they're just used to sitting on a sofa and watching you know Netflix and Disney Plus, um, and yeah. I and I really think that. That that they they have they've kind of forgotten. I think you know some gigs have been amazing uh, after the pandemic, but some gigs have been absolute hell and a nightmare. And I and I think that they just you know they they've forgotten how to do it, how to be an audience. But it's yeah. getting better. It's not well, all like... <laughs> what do you do when if I mean I because this is what happens the longer you do what we do, the the bad gigs there's big there's a bigger gap in between the bad gigs but every now and again you're you're blindsided you didn't see one coming and you have a shit night what do you do do you just do you just carry on it must be difficult I'm, I know there's a there's a there's an act the double act called the Raymond and Mr Timkins review and because all of their stuff is on a track once they start they can't stop they have to keep going. And I've only ever seen yeah. it fail once and it was spectacular. You just go, shit, yeah, there's no way out. Like, what do you do? They're not going for it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've, I've toured <laughs> yeah. with those guys. Um, that, that, those boys have, have supported me on tour. Brilliant. Um, and Brilliant. we did a festival in, in Cape Town as well. So we spent a lot of time together. And, oh, um, I love they, them dearly. They're such good lads. And, 
Yeah. Oh, me, me too. And and I and I never I, I only ever once saw them. Never, never die. But they they just split the room. Half the audience who'd come to see me, <laughs> so they didn't know they were going to see a support act. Half the audience were absolutely went for it and were crying with laughter, like their normal reaction because they are brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, brilliant and, and yeah. half the audience were like, "What? What is this?" <laughs> fuck is this this isn't what we pay to see but that's not necessarily their fault uh, no um, no so um but but yeah no it's funny i i i love them um when when you have I, it's funny enough i was doing a gig just before christmas and and i was trying out some it was a comedy club um just outside london and i was just trying some some uh, a couple of bits out and um i was talking to the promoter and it was in a hotel um and we were in the room just before and just having a catch up chat. And for some reason, we got talking about bad gigs. And I said, I haven't had a bad gig in ages. I feel really, I feel, I feel really lucky. But I also know that's not a good thing because there's one around the corner. And, yeah, yeah, and I, every and time. I, and he every said, oh, time. no, he said, this gig is, he said, mate, this gig is lovely. You will, they're ready for you. You will love them. And I got on stage uh, and, and I'm having a lovely, lovely time. There was a woman right in front of me just filming and I got a bit, a bit, bit pissed off that she was filming so eventually i told her to just stop filming come on look i'm here you don't yeah. need to record this um and um and it was still a lovely lovely gig and then i went into a bit of material and there was a woman that was incredibly drunk at the back that didn't understand what i was talking about and thought i was saying something that i wasn't it was a big misunderstanding anyway she absolutely right. fucked the gig up for about five minutes but they 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 were all on my side and then I turned them against her. And so, but they, this woman was so drunk, she would be, she'd been asked to leave and she wouldn't leave and they oh couldn't God. get her to leave, but she kept on shouting and heckling. Uh, and the audience were going, shut up like that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. shut up. And my puppets are all telling them to shut up, you know, and it, and it, <laughs> it became like, oh, and so suddenly the gig took an absolute fucking nosedive for about five minutes, but I persevered. I went into a whole different bit and, I did a thing where I get a man and a woman out and they become my human puppets and I leave them on stage and they're, they're, they're being operated radio controlled by me, but voice and voice, but I'm nowhere yeah. near the stage and, and I get them doing things and the laughs were so big, it drowned out this stupid drunk woman at the back. And really? so I managed to, I managed to get it back, but she then went and complained to the management and there was a big old to do afterwards that yeah. kicked off while I was trying to get my props off the stage and, and just get to the car. <laughs> but you know, I jinxed it. I just jinxed it just before the gig by saying, I haven't had a bad gig and I'm sure there's one just around the corner and there it was, you know, but I got every, it back. Every got time. Back, yeah. Sometimes, but sometimes you can, you know, as you know, there's it, you know, walking off to the sound of your own footsteps. It's not, it's not something that happens often, touch wood, but you know, no. it happens and it has happened. Um, yeah. And, um, and it's not very nice. This is the thing, like you say, you, you just, sometimes you just don't connect with an audience. There's some, whatever reason, especially when you're, when you're coming up, you know, I mean, now, you know, you're, you're doing your own shows. So people are, they know what they're getting. They know they're coming to see you. So it's not like it's like with a, with a regular, comedy night where there's four acts and people don't really know who you are but they just got they wanted to go to a comedy night they trust that comedy club so go, oh this is always a good night let's go and see what what who's on and then you just have that it's just that where the chemistry's not there you don't connect it's hard to get over yeah it's you do take it personally and that and it's always in a, it's always when it's yeah, in a club that's the furthest away from your house <laughs> Yes, and so you've got all that time to think about how, why it yeah. went so badly going home. 
<laughs> and and I remember when I was starting out, and I used to do, I, I my you know I I didn't I didn't start doing the clubs. I started doing holiday parks and and cruise ships when I was seventeen. I, that's why that's why I started. Right, so I, yeah. I sort of did it in a funny funny sort of roundabout way. And I'd come back from working on a on a cruise ship in Scandinavia, entertaining very drunk. Finns and Swedes that were going basically across uh, between Nor- uh, Sweden and Finland, um, and but their English was pretty good, and they got most of my my stuff. And I was doing magic; I was doing comedy magic at that time, and just introducing the ventriloquism right. into the show. And I came back after doing two months, um, sort of summer season there, and I felt so confident. My then agent sent me up to the northeast to do working men's clubs and and some really rough caravan parks and stuff and that was a real mm. that was a real shocker and i remember driving back one night from driving back from cleethorpes and i'd had a terrible oh, wow. gig and i remember yes you used to have to wait in the kitchens there are these sort of doors that you had to come out of the kitchen and that was the way onto the stage and and i i you know driven four hours to cleethorpes i've got changed in a you couldn't call it a dressing room uh and then I was on stage and someone threw something at me. That was the first time I'd had something thrown at me. I think it was an ashtray or something. Oh, my God. Uh, and I had a terrible, terrible gig. And I was supposed <sighs> to do 45 minutes. And I think it was about 25, maybe maybe 30. Oh. I don't know. Anyway, I got back in the yeah. car. And I had another four-hour drive home, you know, and in my little Peugeot 205 <laughs> diesel, <laughs> thinking, <laughs> what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And it was such a shock to the system after I'd had such a great summer working on a, yeah. on a, on a, you know, a small cruise ship, um, you know, and I had lots of, lots more of those, uh, those moments, but then it, that, I think that's what separates the people that, that, that can't hack it. And, and the people that actually yeah. think, yeah, okay, I'm either going to let this beat me or, or I'm going to rise above it and find a way of coping with it. And, and, and it makes you a better person, but it's, if someone said, you know, uh, what, what am I think trying to say? If someone said, "I," um, it, you know, it's not. If someone said, "If I say it," if you, if I had to look back now and realise how far and how difficult it was going to be to get to where I think I wanted to be when I was starting out, yes. I, I think I probably would have given up. But yeah, you don't. You've I think got that's something it. inside yeah. you that that yes, something that, exactly. you know, that keeps you going. Yeah. There is that thing, is it? I've said, I've said I, I did the, I emceed the Chortle, uh Student Comedy Awards the other night, and and I was explaining to them. I said, look, you know, it, this isn't the end of your career if you don't get through. And I said, there's, but you always know after your first gig whether you want to do it again. There's just a f- switch that flips, and you go whether it goes well or yes. not. You kind of go, yeah, I want to do this again. And it, like you say, there is that thing that just I don't know, I don't even know what it is. It just that thing that goes, no, no, no. I know I can do this. That was shit. I feel yeah. terrible now, but I've got another gig tomorrow, so I just need to just get home. And it, it's weird the thing that just just drives you. I can't even tell you what it is. I don't even just it's just called drive. Yeah. I guess I don't know. It's just, it, it's, it's just that <clears throat> something about it, isn't it? That that um, that you you just love it and and you know you want to do more of it, even though it's you know it's not necessarily going to be easy. And I think also just talking about you know doing a theatre. Uh, show doing a, a touring and stuff which i've i've toured quite a lot a lot really for, for over the last sort of 10 years or so and you kind of go yes it, it's like a comedy club in a way even if you're an unknown act you've still got it's still got them on your side to start with because they've come to a comedy club and they know that they're going to see comedians and so the yeah. a, a, half the battle is won 
um, unless you're really shit uh, and 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 you and you fuck it up or or you just have a bad night, you know, um, you, it, yeah. it, it, you're halfway there because they've paid yeah. to come and see a comedy show, um, and you know, like a corporate, they haven't, they don't know you're on, and you've got to win them over and again, you know. With with them with you being on too late, then being too drunk, the room not being good, pillars in the way, balloons in the way, you know, all sorts of shit that the people just don't think about that are, are are against you. So that's why they pay really well because you have to go through a lot of shit um, to yeah. to to win them over and, and have, make a, a good gig. But even with a theatre tour, and even if you've got an audience that you've built up, and you've got you know people that paid come to come and see you. And I, and I, you know, I feel very, very lucky that, you know, I can tour and people will decide, you know, on a wet Thursday night in wherever I am, you know, that they'll part with, I don't know, you know, 20 quid a ticket, whatever it is to yeah. come and see me and my little puppet show. And so I feel, <laughs> I feel very lucky and, and privileged, but also, you know, even though they know who you are and they've paid to see you, you, st- I feel like there's more pressure because they like the last show or they like the last tour. This has got to be better, even though they oh, won't yeah, necessarily remember all, all of the last tour, um, unless they see the, the special, which is Paul Zerdin hands free on my Paul Zerdin YouTube channel, <laughs> uh, now showing. Um, then they'll remember. We'll put links. The last we'll put links to like. it to it on this. But, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and you've got the pressure, the pressure is on. So you've got that moment, you've got a minute or two moments, minutes of grace, but then you've still got to come up with the goods. And, and I think there's more pressure and I actually find it. Yeah. It's harder. I think the more you tour, uh, I mean, it's good in a way because it helps me generate new material. Uh, but I'm this weekend, I'm doing comedy clubs, just trying out new bits, which will then go into the new, into the new tour, which yeah. I then start touring um, beginning of September. Brilliant. Brilliant. And when you, I mean, you probably, I know you've been asked this question a million times. What got you in, what was, what made you get, get into ventriloquism? What was it that did you, I mean, were you always fascinated by it, a fan of it? Or did it just kind of just sort of naturally could become part of your act? Like since you were doing magic and things like that, it kind of, to me, because when I was growing yeah. up, there was, it was all kind of the same thing. There was, do you know what I mean? It was that there was always yeah. a ventriloquist and a magician and things like that. So, yeah. Was that the same for you? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd grown up uh, watching Sesame Street and I just loved anything to do with the Muppets. Um, and I knew that I wanted to do something with a Muppet. <laughs> I know it sounds a bit weird, <laughs> but um, I, I knew I wanted to do something that involved comedy and puppets. And I'd been given a magic set for my ninth or 10th uh, birthday. Or it might have been a Christmas present actually, and and I took to that. I, I really just loved it, and I annoyed the, the the hell out of everyone in my family with card tricks and things. And I and I got quite good at it. Then when I when I left school, I think the turning point was um, we had a, t- a school talent competition in my last term, and during uh, on Saturday afternoons, I'd become a member of a magic club uh, connected to uh, a famous magic shop in London called Davenport's. And um, I learned a lot then and made a lot of friends, a lot of contacts. Anyway, I hired an illusion um, and I rehearsed it. And so on on the school talent show, someone sang a song, someone maybe read read a poem, did a a tap dance. I levitated my sister and um, (laughs) it it blew them away. 
and and I remember just uh, that moment it, uh, from that moment onwards you know in this in the school in the dining room in the dining hall you know just around the school people would be pointing at me going that's Zerdin he can do magic you know and I've made a real a real impression um, yeah, yeah, and so yeah. I when I when I left school after after the meeting with my careers advisor and he said uh you know what what are you going to do when you leave school and I said I'm going to become a professional magician and he said, I don't know how to help you with that. And I said, oh, I, I think I know what I'm going to do. And I think I, I know how I'm going to do it. And at that time, I'd been given a, a book on how to become a ventriloquist. Uh, and I loved right. I, I'd never really seen a ventriloquist until I, I, I saw a ventriloquist called Ray Allen and Lord Charles. Oh, yes. Who was on the yeah, Paul yeah, Daniels yeah. show. And, it's, and, and I, that, that suddenly everything fell into place. I thought, well, I can do magic. I love the comedy. And then I've seen this thing called ventriloquism where there's a puppeteer, because at that point I'd only seen the Muppets where the puppeteers were hidden underneath the camera. That's right. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was, you know, it was just the puppet. And I thought, oh my God, this is, this is the perfect vehicle. This is a ventriloquist. This is a puppeteer who's in vision. So I can still be the star of the show and there with the puppet. But the thing is, I have to, I have to now learn how to keep this still, keep my lips still yeah. and, and create the voice and the, and the puppet, you know, as if he's a separate entity. I didn't realize how difficult that was. Um, and so I, 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 I practiced for a couple of years, but that all, it all was all, it was all connected. And so I then went, put my magic act uh, together and then I introduced the puppet into it. And eventually I phased the magic out and did more of the puppet and the stand up comedy. And that's kind of how it all sort of fell into place over a few years. Yeah. I always found it amazing that because your brain, your brain knows that it's a puppet but after a minute or so, your brain just goes, "Oh, that's a person," and it just be, you just can you just it's just you you forget that you're the one controlling it, and so like when you'd watch Ray Allen and people like that when I was a kid, you just be just that was just a, that the puppet was a person, yeah. and then and and it's so yeah, yeah it's weird how your brain does that. It goes, goes, "Oh yeah, that's two people now," and even though the, another yeah. voice goes, "No, but he's controlling the other one," you go, "No, that's two people." Yeah. It's really weird how it works yeah. you, you you buy in you buy into it and i was talking to someone about this the other day and even if you're even if you're not a ventriloquist if you look there's a there's a really good interview i forget what the show is but it's a really good interview on youtube with jim henson and he's got kermit on his arm and he's talking yeah. about it's a two shot of kermit and jim henson and he's talking the fact about the fact he's not a ventriloquist he's a puppeteer but he, and then Kermit starts talking and he says, I, I, I move my lips because I'm not a ventriloquist. Uh, and then the camera just sort of tightens and goes into a single shot of Kermit. And he says, but generally, you know, the Kermit, he's talking, he's doing Kermit's voice. And he's saying, but generally, uh, the, the frog is far more interested, uh, interesting to look at than the bearded man. And, and you are looking <laughs> at Kermit because you, you know, you believe he's real, but you know that there's yeah. folk there doing him. It's somehow, you, even though he's not, it's not ventriloquism, you still you buy into a puppet. It's like, you know, when I was, my nephew was, was much younger and I would just get a little puppet character and I would be doing a silly voice. Even if I wasn't doing ventriloquism, I was hiding behind the sofa or something, you know, and just doing the puppet. Yeah. He could see me, but he still would talk to the puppet. <laughs> see, it's fascinating. Your brain, it's like when I was talking to Nicholas Pinnock, who's an actor, and he was on here and he said that your brain doesn't know you're acting. So all the all the if you're yeah. in a really heavy scene, like really stressful, emotional scene, your brain thinks that that's really happening, and so it takes you a while afterwards right. to get over it. 
and it must be the same. Yeah. Having done it for many years, do you talk to the puppets when you're on your own? Like, do you, I mean, that's yeah. a silly question, but... <laughs> no, it's not, because I think that's what people think ventriloquists are like. And I think that's why they think ventriloquists are mad. Uh, I, I, I'm pleased to say I don't speak to them when I'm when I'm off no. stage, apart from when I'm learning new material and learning lines. I will be pacing around the house. But generally, I will learn the show and the script, the new script, without the puppet there. I'll just be doing the voices and yeah. learn it. And then the last the last, you know, piece of the jigsaw is to then go through it with the puppet and make sure that everything works and I can do it. Uh, I can do the puppetry and, and, and all of that side of things. But um, I don't speak to the puppets uh, alone. Um, <laughs> I, I know of, I've heard stories of, ventriloquists uh for example i don't know who it was apparently it was an american ventriloquist it was performing at the palladium this is a long time ago yeah and the gig the gig hadn't gone very well and they were overheard they were overheard in the dressing room the the ventriloquist was talking to the puppet and saying saying to him you you weren't funny tonight you really let me down uh, and <laughs> I, 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 I really hope that's true because I love that. <laughs> I mean, that's great. I'm giving him a pep talk. Come on, man. You're better than this. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Did you find it like with the, because you, you know, with the pandemic, did you, did you just, because uh, like, we all had to stop what we were doing. Did you, did the puppets just get left in a bag and then that was it? You're like, I'll just, I'll just deal with that later on or were you, did you have them out on the side i don't know it's just because i because i you you work with them i see i see them as people so it feels weird to me that they just yeah. be in a bag somewhere for for a year and a half <laughs> well i actually um when they closed the gyms um you know i love running i love weight training and doing all that mm. and when they when they shut the gyms i started doing a lot more running outside and i started to run i became a bit obsessive i started running about 10k a day every morning and wow. my brain was thinking right okay okay i'm not going to get on stage for a while this this thing looks like it's going to be going on for you know quite a, quite a while quite a time and so I, I i started coming up with ideas running every day and i'd come home write them all down and then a friend of mine who i've written with for, for a long time um I, I i was having a chat with him and i said i've got all these ideas i think i'm going to make a, a youtube show a show for my youtube channel and I'm going to produce it. I'll, I'll, I'll find a studio, and I'll and I'll I'll do it all socially distanced. So I wrote mm. and produced, or co-wrote and produced and uh, directed and presented a show called Sponge Weekly, which you can see on my YouTube channel. And uh, it was all from the, the first lockdown, and just just all these. It's a silly silly little sketch show with me and the characters, and it's all to camera. It's it's got a um, you know it's got different backgrounds with using uh, green screen all shot in a studio with uh, all socially distanced. We've had to, you know, do it by the rules. Um, and, and so it was one of the most productive creative times for me, um, oh, even though I wasn't able to get on stage and, and, and perform in front of a proper audience. Um, I, I was still using the characters, so they were never left in a, in a bag for a year and a half. Brilliant. Uh, I was constantly <laughs> working on new material, but I did, yeah. And I did do some of those Zoom gigs. I have to say, I absolutely hated them. And I know that, you know, what a great idea and, and, a, and a brilliant way of adapting in a, at a time when, you know, you need to do your performance and, and earn a living. So I, took, I, I take my hat off to people that, that, uh, that, that have 
managed to make that work. And particularly a lot of magicians I know, I think magic works really well on Zoom. It's just like watching yeah. magic on TV and, and a lot of interactive type stuff where you can do mind reading and mental stuff that, that uh, works with a, with people sitting at home and still, you know, the, these Zoom, I did do a few Zoom gigs and I, and I hated them. And so I said no to yeah. all because I just didn't think it did me any favours, even though I needed the money. Uh, I just thought I, I, I can't bear to do them. I did do one last uh, Christmas before last and it was, I do pantomime at the London Palladium uh, every Christmas. Yeah. And we just opened the show on that, uh, on whatever day it was. It was a uh, Saturday night, I'm guessing our opening night or Tuesday. It was a, pre- it was a press night. Anyway, I just finished the show and I had, I did, we did a matinee and an evening show. Then I had a private function in, uh, this is after the pandemic really. So I, I, I had a private function in a restaurant in uh, Grosvenor Square and then I had a taxi take me home and I did a, I did a corporate gig for an American company in, in my kitchen. So I did four gigs oh, this wow. day and it was, it was, uh, it was, that was my last American gig and it was in, a, in my kitchen and it was, I was on at 1230 at night and which was, I don't know what time it was back there, but it was five hours, eight hours behind, whatever. And I didn't see anyone. I saw the host no. pop up on the screen and introduce me. And then I just, uh, I saw a blank screen with a, some writing saying performance, you know, oh going on. Whatever. And I literally did my, did my show just talking to my, to my laptop. <laughs> um, and, and I thought oh, I'm, right. I'm dying. I'm getting no reaction, but they, that's the one good thing about, you know, being a ventriloquist, you've got someone to talk to. Whereas when you're just doing standing there, <laughs> yeah. doing stand up, it's you and a microphone, just talking to a, a lens and not getting any reaction that that's that's even worse even though it was yeah. inside i was thinking oh this is torturous i still you know i could just talk bollocks with whichever character i was doing <laughs> so i i felt like i wasn't i wasn't alone but it was it was a it was a horrific horrific gig um yeah it paid me really well so i had to do it um yeah but th- those sort of gigs were, were not my they weren't my um I don't, I, and they're still you know zoom is a massive is a massive part of our lives now and i'll be honest i don't really it like is, yeah i'd much rather be <laughs> in a studio like i did um i was doing some you know promotion for my for my paul zerlin puppet man tour and uh and i was in i was on radio two the other week back in the studio and i hadn't i'd guested on steve wright and and various other shows over the years and i'd always been in the studio and then during that whole pandemic you're on you're at home yeah. you know on the phone like this with your airpods in yeah yeah, yeah. and it's there's nothing beats <laughs> and this is the only way we can make this work so i appreciate it this is what this is what why we're doing it and how we're doing it but to be back in a studio again is so much more exciting oh god yeah yeah we used to do it we used to do it when we did it in camden we used to do, people would come to us at comedy central and then obviously because of right. whatever happened so we started doing it from uh paul's studio in tunbridge wells but the last couple of weeks, we've had people come in. And so we had Tom Stade came in, Robert, uh, Rob Copland came yeah. in. And you, it just, it's just, it does, it just elevates the whole thing. And you're just having this yeah. mad kind of hour and a half or so in the studio. And it's brilliant. It's so much better. Yeah. Gigs, I, I did yeah. the Zoom gigs. I did one live from the, from the, the, uh, the Bill Murray in Islington on my own in a room, just two cameras, no reaction. No, they didn't even put the seats out. And and then the people that were controlling the cameras were downstairs in the basement, and I was just on my own in a room, just doing my stuff for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, oh my god! So I don't know. I think, but that just goes to show you that that thing I was about drive that I said before. 
the, you know, we got shut down. We didn't know what we were going to do. What we do, it, 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 you know, we have to do it live. But you found a way. You yeah. know, you went, right, well, do you know what? All right. You, you had a moment and, you you know, you got into your running. But even that, you kind of didn't stop. You just went, I just need to do something. And so you got into your running. Yeah. And that, so you've got that in you to keep pushing forward. Yes. Which I think is and I think most so us, lucky to have. Most most of us, I think most of us have that in this business. I think you just, you, I, I, like you were saying, you know, you're always thinking about the next, the next thing. What, what is the next routine? What's the next gimmick? Whatever it is. Uh, and, and I, and even when I'm not writing a new show, uh, I am always thinking of the next, the next thing. And it, and it is obsessive, it, you know, and I've, you know, yeah. I'm in the middle of the night. If I can't sleep, I've got my notes open on my phone and I'm putting in stupid ideas. So I've been walking around the supermarket the other day going, Oh, hang on. That's a good idea. And, and I have to write it down because otherwise you forget it. Um, and sometimes some of the, some of the best ideas have been at two o'clock in the morning, you know, um, when I can't yes, sleep. Yes, definitely. Um, and some of the worst, and some of the worst ideas as well. When I've gone to bed a bit pissed, and then woke <laughs> up still a bit pissed, written something down, and thought that's good. And then, and then the morning, I thought, no, no, Paul, what are you thinking? But it, it, <laughs> what it are is, you doing? Yeah. The thing is, you're 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 the only person that can make it happen. That's 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 the whole thing, isn't it? No one's going to do it for you. It, you've decided to, you know, take to the stage and do what you do and so you you've you've made that happen you have to make the rest of it happen and um and yeah. so you know you're, you're your own boss so so i and i love that and i love the fact about i've really really got into the whole you know i've mentioned my youtube channel a couple of times mm. but i love i love that whole you know you you have your, your your youtube channel it's you're your own boss and that's what i love i i've, yes. I've done many pilots over the years and i've done lots of television and and I've had lots of um, lots of success with television, and I've done lots of pilots for my own show and different different types, different uh, formats and things. And I've never I've never cracked that. I've never cracked no. that on on uh, on terrestrial television. And there's always someone. There's always a commissioning editor somewhere that goes. No, and even though I've got a million yes. producers and directors that, that love what I do and want to work with me, I've never been able to get it get it past the commissioner because the commissioner goes, oh yeah you know we really like paul yeah let's let's see how he does on you know on on whatever it is you know another talent show or whatever yeah. hang on i've been around here for yeah. 30 years now you you know what i do and you know that people like what yeah. i do um but but you but for some reason there's always been a stumbling block and so the youtube channel is basically me dropping my trousers and uh and shouting bollocks uh, at all commissioning editors uh in terrestrial <laughs> television because i am now my own commissioning editor my own producer my own director my own casting director my own performer i'm all of that and i love that control yeah. that i can put out what i want and some of the stuff i put out gets some really good viewing figures and st some stuff doesn't and you really know quite quickly what people like and what they don't like um yeah and i think it's that's excellent. very exciting and 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 you build it up and you know, that, that is the way that you know, people are viewing stuff now. Like my friend, we were talking about this the other day, my friend, he's in the business and his kids, he said, Oh, they don't watch telly. They just watch YouTube. No, you know? So it's yeah. interesting. It's all changing. It's funny watch it. You can see the industry now. Oh, you quietly panicking. Cause they, they want to, they want to get in on the action. And like you've just said, we're like, well, no, we don't need yeah. you now. I don't need, I don't need some dude in a suit that, may or may not like what I do telling me deciding my future I'm now I'm now yeah. in like you've said I'm in control of my own destiny and I'll do it myself thank you 
And that's where, and now you can yeah. see the industry, they really want to get in on the TikTok thing. They want to get in on YouTube and, but they don't know how because they're not creatives. They was always reliant on us to bring the work to them. Yeah. And then they decide what they were yeah. going to do with it. And now it's like, yeah, we're just doing it over here now. And uh, you can watch it if you like, but we don't need you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's... It, it's a nice place to be. It's, um, it is, yeah. And it's just, you know, you, you, it does take time. You've got to be patient. But, you know, you build up that mm. audience. Uh, and then, you know, the fact that you are your own little, you know, ITV, this, this you know, independent television where you're making money from ad revenue. I think it's it's amazing. And you know, and yeah, and there's some yeah. there's some big money to be made. And there's a big audience, yeah. there's a big reach. And then that's that's you know, that helps you, you know, sell your live show so you can then tour all over the place. So it's long term, it's win win. <laughs> this has been lovely, Paul. Thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I wanna, there's a couple of things quite, I want to ask quite. you before you go. It's been great, man, honestly. You mentioned earlier, brief. You mentioned earlier. You said you hired an illusion. Now I've heard of people buying things, but you said you hired one. Does that mean you can only use it for a certain amount of time, or for that one particular show, so, or is it the same thing? So I hired uh, an illusion from the magic shop, which was the, where the magic club uh, that I belonged to was was part of. Uh, I can't tell you what I hired because no. that's the secret, but. It enabled me to have my sister suspended in in the air in front of me. And oh, yeah. uh, it was an illusion invented by a great magician called Robert Harbin, who was also very famous for inventing a trick called the zigzag lady, which, which is a box where the lady used to go into the box. Her head would be poking out a hole at the top. Her hand would be oh, in the, in the yeah. middle here and her foot would be at the bottom. And they'd put two blades through and then they remove the middle and slide it out That's to the it. side. And that was called yes. the zigzag lady. And he, he invented that trick also. So he invented this, this suspension. Uh, I think it's called the Harbin chair suspension. And I hired it and I rehearsed and rehearsed for quite a few weeks with my sister, who was not a magic assistant. She was my sister who was at school. And um, <laughs> and she rehearsed. And I was always, you know, it was always about rehearsing. I never wanted to go on stage not knowing what I was doing. I, I had to know I had a plan and I knew that everything was okay. And so we rehearsed it. And um, yeah, and it, and it, and it, you know, you got a great, a great reaction. But um, yeah, the, I can't tell you what I actually hired, but. Um, no, no, no. It, was, no. It, 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 it was worth it. What was your other question? Yeah. I think, I think I've, I just, uh, yeah, I, the other one is do you have, with the puppets as well, do you go, do you, uh, do you design those yourself? Do you have someone that does it for you? So, look, I need a puppet that does, I, this is the character. And then do you have someone that you work with in that, in that respect? Uh, yes. Um, my first. Uh, Sam, who's my most my most well known character, yeah. I suppose. Um, I built I built the first one. Um, right. So I had a, another character that was very Muppety that I had had made for me. Um, I'd seen an ad at the back of the stage newspaper puppet builder, and so I went and got a puppet. I mean, he was very he was very Muppety, and he was my first kind of proper puppet. He was a bit like Ernie from Sesame Street. Um, and right, then yeah. uh, I auditioned for a TV show called Disney Club. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, uh, as a presenter and... I didn't get it, but they said there's a new channel, there's a new show starting up when GMTV was about to start and Disney are doing, are in charge of the output of the weekends. You'd be better for that and you could use your ventriloquism. So I then auditioned for that and I got that and they said, we love your puppet, but he's too Muppety. Could you come up with something else? So I went, went, I went home. I was still living at mum and dad's and I, I, I went to the local um, department store and I bought a load of bl- uh, blocks of sponge foam <laughs> And and I had there had mum and dad had an electric carving knife, and I carved the the body and the and the head uh, out of uh, foam, and then I went and bought some toweling and I made and glued it all together and I made the first Sam uh, prototype oh, wow. and went back to uh, the the show for GM GMTV and Disney and they said oh my god we, that's it that's it we love him we love him, and so then we had it we then had him properly made by a professional puppet puppet builder um and um and that's how that's how sam came about and then i wanted a i wanted um an old man character which i saw at a, um, a ventriloquist convention in that's a whole nother podcast that is the ventriloquist convention yeah. um <laughs> i saw that in america and i and i i bought an old man character off the shelf <clears throat> and um and then i took him I, I used him for a bit, tried in some jokes and kind of got him working then thought, well, I need to get him especially, I need to redesign him because there'll be other people that have the same puppet. So I need him to be exclusive. Yeah. So I then uh, found a, another puppet builder and he, and he redesigned him. And then that's how Albert came about. And uh, the baby, again, I found the baby uh, the, at this venture convention and then asked the woman who made him, because she'd made a few of the same ones. I asked her to make me a slightly right. different one. Uh, so he was for me, and then I have a I've got a bodyguard character now, Roger, who was designed and built by a puppet maker called Daryl Warby, uh, who's a great puppet puppet maker, um, and um, and I've got a fox as well, an urban fox, and he was built by Daryl, another guy called Tim Rose, um, who worked on they work these guys work on. I mean, Daryl built Yoda on the last in the Last Jedi. Oh wow! And, um, and lots of TV and film stuff. Same with Tim Rose. He's done lots of Star Wars and yeah. Muppet stuff. So um, I, I, I come up with a silly idea. I'll, I'll make some little drawings and scribbles. And then I'll go to a puppet builder and say, this is sort of what I'm looking at. Then they'll do some better drawings. And go, you mean like this? And I'll go, oh, yeah, that's it. But make the eyes bigger. Yeah. And then uh, it's, it's quite a long, it's a long process. 
Um, but I normally have got the idea in my head, have had the idea in my head um, for for quite a long time before it comes out. I'm actually working on a, another character, which I'm thinking of building myself again, going back to the oh, really? electric carving knife and, and the blocks <laughs> of foam um, and, and having a go. It's been a long time since I've done that, but I just thought it might, might be might be fun to have a go at it and also a lot cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say because you've, you've you've come so far from doing the holiday camps and things like that, and now you've got puppets that are made by they're they're more they're nearly in the Star Wars universe. I mean, that's that's a that's a, what yeah. a journey, an incredible journey. Well, it is. It's, it's very exciting when you're, especially when you're you're in one of their workshops and you see all the stuff that they've built and you know pictures and things of of you know these famous TV characters. Uh, Daryl's last time I was in his workshop, there's Basil Brush sitting there. No and, way! And that was, yeah, <laughs> and that was that's that's a moment he he built Basil Brush, um, as well as all these amazing you know film characters. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's you're you're sort of you're limited only by your imagination, really. So um, it's it's a fun it's a fun world to be part of, and especially you know me having been grown up with Sesame Street and and all these Jim Henson things I I, I like to think of myself as a, a one man Jim Henson puppet show thing you know with me and the yeah. characters which you can see on the Paul Zerdes tour this autumn <laughs> Paul thank you so much mate it's been an absolute pleasure um, and there was producer oh, this has been Thanks great much, thank Rich. you mate insane in the membrane Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.